It can be really hard for us to relax at night. We're always thinking about covering crime. But the good news is our wonderful new sponsor, Via, has a terrific product that helps us unwind. Via Hemp has a wide range of terrific gummies of both the THC and THC-free varieties. They can help you with focus, recovery, sleep, creativity, or just plain enjoyment. These products legally ship to all 50 states. I really liked Zen in particular. This is a yummy blueberry option that lets you catch a chill sleep with help from CBN and CBD. It's really helped me turn off my brain and settle down for the night. I also got a shout out Flow State. It helped me feel energized throughout the day. Like not to brag, but I got a lot done. I'm talking about doing several interviews and editing a whole show from start to finish, not to mention jumping on some of the latest filings in the cases we cover. It really made me feel sharp and ready to tackle any challenge. I couldn't recommend this more. Via has so many great gummy options to choose from. Everything from guava berry low dose that allows you to microdose THC to the chill-inducing Delta 9 gummy dreams. Head to viahemp.com and use code MSHEET to receive 15% off and one free sample of their award-winning gummies. That's viahemp.com and use code MSHEET at checkout. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Enhance your every day with Via Hemp. Again, if you're 21 and over, you can get 15% off plus a free pack of award-winning gummies with our exclusive code, msheet at viahemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P dot com. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Standing at the front door of the prefab home one dark evening last autumn, we waited and wondered if we should turn back. Stoney Van, formerly of the Indiana State Police, worked the Burger Chef murders for about two decades. He is convinced the killers were part of a crew of robbers who seemed to specialize in hitting burger chefs. Two of them are still alive. Neither of them has ever been charged in connection with the homicides. One of them has cooperated with police and has even given over his DNA. He insists he was not there that night. The other won't talk with anyone. So we decided to go see him. He lives in a rundown rural area, a place crammed full of small residential structures on winding, poorly lit roads. When we arrived, 
It was after dark and difficult to read street names and addresses. It was a challenge to find our way in and out of this place. No one knew we were going to try to visit this man. We didn't know if it was a good idea, but we felt we had to try. Hi there. My name is Anya Kane. I'm a reporter. I'm interested. We're doing a story on the Burger Chef case. Had we just come face to face with one of the Burger Chef killers? Or is the robbery gang story just another lead that ultimately goes nowhere? My name is Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And we're the Murder Sheet. We'll be taking a multi-part look into the Burger Chef murders. We'll be presenting you with a new theory about what happened each week as part of our mini-series, You Never Can Forget. On a weekly basis, you're going to hear from figures you've never heard from before. You're going to hear about facts that you've never heard before. And hopefully, you'll walk away with a better understanding of the sheer complexity of this awful crime. We don't just rely on what we've been told or what we've read. We have worked this case ourselves. We decided to do this podcast so we can tell you what we've learned and even clear up a few misconceptions. In this mini-series, we will give you the top theories about this crime. After we're finished covering the Burger Chef case, the murder sheet will continue to investigate different restaurant-related homicides for the rest of Season 1. We're the Murder Sheet, and this is You Never Can Forget, The Robbers. go back in time to the day after the four employees disappeared from the burger chef. It is not a murder case yet. Their bodies won't be discovered until the next day. Their families and friends still have hope. 
On that evening, a man named David Cathcart went to a bar in Greenwood, Indiana, which is on the south side of Indianapolis. He drank, and then he talked. Now, so many years later, there are conflicts in the record about what exactly Cathcart said and to whom he said it. But one thing is clear. The people who heard him talk that night were left with the impression that he had direct knowledge of a robbery gang that was targeting Burger Chef restaurants, and that this crew had been responsible for what happened at the Speedway Burger Chef the night before. Someone notified Richard Bumps of the Indiana State Police. Since the robbers were alleged to have used a sawed-off shotgun, a federal offense, Bumps took the information to Agent Dwight Rapp of the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. So I got with this David Cathcart and got all his information. Cathcart revealed he was part of a group that was robbing area businesses, concentrating on Burger Chef restaurants. There were at least five of them in this crew, but they usually did their robberies in groups of two or three men. Besides Cathcart, there were allegedly at least four other men in the group. John Deffenbaugh, the only member of the group convicted of shooting a person during a robbery. S.W. Wilkins, the county dog catcher who caused controversy by shooting some of the strays he corralled. A man we're called Amigo because he was friends with all the members of the crew and another member codenamed Inside Man. If those nicknames sound familiar, then you've probably listened to Todd McComas's podcast, 1041. McComas is a former ISP detective. He assisted Van with the Burger Chef case, and it's apparent that the murders of these four kids still affect him. He offered an authoritative look at the robbery gang theory on his show, and you should give it a listen if you're interested in doing an even deeper dive into this particular theory. We've linked to it in our show notes. We spoke to McComas recently about the murders and figured we'd borrow his code names for the living robbers to keep things simple. Here's McComas explaining how Inside Man got his nickname. And we called him that because he, his wife at the time was a Burger Chef employee and had, according to him, unwittingly given them lots of intel and information about closing procedures and, and where safes were located in these things. So it made it convenient for them. And, uh, and he knew intimately like how they were staffed. They're always staffed by young people and young people, you know, they, they found quickly just didn't resist. They complied easily. So they never fought back. This is why the group robbed Burger Chef more than any other business. They knew more about how Burger Chefs operated. Cathcart's revelations excited rap. The thing about it that I thought, man, we've got we've got the killers because these guys that were doing talking about this in, in Franklin, the bodies were found in Johnson County. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking whoever did this one on the west side in Speedway, they had why would they come all the way to Johnson County unless they knew this area? And uh, I'm thinking, man, we've got got the murderers. Rap sprang into action. His first step going after Amigo on gun charges. I get a federal search warrant for the gun. We go to his apartment down in Greenwood and find the gun. I lock him up, and we've got him in custody. And, uh, of course, we're interrogating the hell out of him about these murders. And he's nervous as hell, but he, he says he didn't do it. It's just a coincidence. And I remember standing in the marshal's office talking to him about charging him with murder in his juggler vein. 
I looked at it, it was about ready to jump out of his neck. And at that time, Steve Goldsmith was a Marion County prosecutor. Amigo didn't want to take a polygraph related to the Burger Chef case. Goldsmith was blunt with him. He said, you take a polygraph and pass it. If you don't take this polygraph, I'm going to charge you with the conspiracy to commit an armed robbery and look into these murders and everything. Well, he took the polygraph and he passed it. So they were kind of pushed aside as, as uh, suspects. While Rapp moved on to other leads, Ken York of the Indiana State Police continued to work on the robbery gang angle. In the late 90s, Stoney Van of the Indiana State Police took over the investigation. Van's research convinced him that the robbers were the true culprits in the Burgershaf murders. We will share with you the case these men developed and let you decide where you think the truth lies. To start with, let's look at one of the crew's non-Burgershaf robberies a July 1977 robbery of a mini-mart. We're highlighting this case because it is the one documented time where a member of the robbery crew shot someone. The victim in that case made a full recovery and provided a statement to the police about what happened. Kevin will read excerpts from it now. It'd been a normal business evening at the store. There were three customers in the store taking their time, selecting items they wanted to purchase. As two brought their items to the checkout, and I rang up their sales, and they left, the third person had moved to a place directly across from the checkout, about ten feet away from me. As the last customer went out the exit, the third person swung around quickly, moving up to the checkout counter. Covering his face with his left hand and drawing a pistol from under his shirt, out of his belt in the front of his pants with his right hand, He turned his back to the front window and held the gun close to his body so no one outside the store could see that a holdup was in progress. He stood up close to the cigarette displays on the counter, which helped to further conceal or hide the weapon. As he got to the counter, he said to me, I want your billfold, and put it in a bag. I, not quite registering this was a holdup, said, Put what in a bag? His reply, with some irritation, was, Your billfold and the money in the register, and hurry up about it. As I reached under the counter to get a paper sack, he said, Don't do anything stupid. Be careful about what you're doing, or I'll shoot you. As I bent down to get a paper bag from under the counter, my face was about two and a half feet from the gun. I thought, My God, it's a thirty-eight, similar to one I had owned at one time. A revolver with a short barrel. But because of the reflections of the cigarettes on the counter, it looked like it was bronze-coated and had a hexagon barrel. But now I remember when he shot me, it was definitely blue finish, with a round barrel. In my amazement that this was a real holdup, I then said, Jesus, I can't really believe this is happening. Which, again, irritated him, and he said, hurry it up. I started to put the bills in the bag. At once, $10, fives next, and then the dollar bills. During this time, the first customer came in the door. He's about 20 in a dark blue jog suit, dark blonde hair. The holdup man led him past behind him towards the back of the store. When the customer had gotten to the left of the holdup man, he turned towards him and instructed him to move towards the ice cream case to my right. And he instructed him to give him his billfold also. To which the customer raised his hands in the air and said he didn't have one. He left it in the apartment. The holdup man then instructed him to put his hands down and don't move. 
He then turned back to me and said, hurry up. By now, I had the bills in the bag and had started to put the coins in it. The second customer came in the door, a young paper boy who was in the store often. The holdup man ordered him back to his left, much as he did with the first customer, but did not say anything about his billfold. By this time, I had put coins in the bag, quarters, dimes. The holdup man said, I don't want the goddamn change, just the bills. I said, then that is all there is. He didn't believe me and instructed me to lift the change till out of the register drawer and give him what money was under the drawer. I said, there is nothing there but money orders. He said, raise it up, damn it. I did. He said, raise up the other part. This being where the folding bills are kept. I told him it didn't come out and showed him by pulling up on the section that it was fastened down. He then said, give me that bag. I then moved to my left in front of him, directly across the counter from him, and handed the bag containing the money across to him. He lowered his left hand from his face to take the bag. He then stepped back one step, looked at the two customers, turned back to me, lowered the gun, and fired, hitting me in the groin. In disbelief, I grabbed my groin and said, What the hell did you shoot me for? He was on his way out the exit. Some investigators were struck by the similarities between that robbery and what happened at the Speedway Burger Chef. In both instances, the robber used a thirty-eight. At the Burger Chef, the teen witnesses, George Nichols and his girlfriend, observed one of the suspects covering his face with his hand. The robber, in this case, did that as well. In both instances, the robbers chose not to bother with loose change, leaving it behind. At the mini-mart, of course, a person was shot. The shooter, Deffenbaugh, claimed it was unintentional, an accident that happened as the bag of money was being handed off from one person to the other. But, at the very least, it shows the potential for violence when these men committed their robberies. If similarities like this existed when you look at only one of their robberies, what happens when you look at the whole set? The investigators got an excellent opportunity to do just that when Amigo and Inside Man were arrested on another robbery and made what is called a cleanup statement. A weight loss journey can feel like a lonely struggle, but it doesn't have to be. For so many of us, lifestyle changes like deciding to lose weight, adopting a nutritious diet, and taking up fun exercises are all about putting our own health and wellness first. But it can be really hard to know where to begin or how to keep the weight off once we've seen some progress. Quick fixes like soup diets and juice cleanses are unsustainable. There's a much better way to embark on this journey that over 200,000 people have already chosen. We're talking about the Roe Body Program. Here's how it works. Roe gives you access to one of the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Their Roe Body Program then sets up a comprehensive weight loss program tailored to your specific lifestyle, health status, and goals. In addition to the weekly shot, you get one-on-one -on -one coaching with a registered nurse. That can help you adopt and stick with lifestyle changes like exercise routines and nutritious diets. It's a comprehensive program that sees participants lose 15 to 20% of their weight in a year on average. But the real benefit is that you keep that weight off. 
This is weight loss at its most sustainable. With Roe, the average weight loss is 15 to 20% of your weight in one year, in conjunction with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roe.co slash msheet. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. Go to roe.co slash msheet. That's R-O dot C-O slash msheet. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know, the cleanup statement is basically the prosecutor says, hey, I'll give you a chance to help law enforcement out by clearing these cases that are of no more stiff a penalty as the case you're being charged with anyway. And in exchange for that, as long as you're truthful and you clean up those cases, then we won't charge you with those down the road in the event law enforcement can prove that you did these cases. And, you know, it helps both sides. That's it's a little quick pro quo. And there's nothing wrong with that. In the cleanup statements, Amigo and Inside Man admitted to a string of robberies from 1978. In July 1978, they robbed a burger chef. In August, they robbed two burger chefs. In September... They robbed a Kentucky Fried Chicken. In October, they robbed another burger chef. And then, of course, in November, someone kidnapped the four employees from the burger chef in Speedway. Investigators studied the cleanup statement carefully. And there was a method of operation comparison done. So the commonalities that existed between known robberies, which was uh, five burger chefs, um, that they had totally admitted to having done, and the one in question in Speedway were, first of all, they were burger chefs, obviously, and then they always hit on Friday or Saturday night because those were the busiest and there was the most money available during the robbery. They always hit at closing time, and that was a match in this one. This was hit at closing time, and they would always make entry through the back door by ambushing an employee that would either go out for a smoke or to throw away trash. And it's believed that that's what it was done in the Speedway workshop because the, the rear door was left ajar or in, unsecure. So that it matched. And then they always used two to three members at a time. Since the teen witnesses at Speedway reported seeing two men behind the restaurant, this detail also appears to be a match. There were other similarities. They have the 38 caliber handgun. They always used a 38. Sometimes they would pass around, depending on which crew was going out or which combination of people was going out to rob. 
And we know that Danny and Ruth, of course, were killed by a 38 caliber handgun. And then they always liked, and this was something they really spelled out and were asked to explain in detail in these cleanup statements was that they would park their getaway car a safe distance away, several blocks away, and then approach the restaurant on foot. They never wanted their vehicle to be associated with the area of the crime. Then they would wait in the ambush in the back. And then after the robbery, they oftentimes would steal an employee's car and drive it from the scene to wherever their getaway car was stashed. Now, we know in the Speedway Burger Chef robbery, the Jane Freed's car was missing and then found some distance away near the police station, I believe. So the thought is, well, was that where their getaway car was? Of all the similarities in the robber's method, McComas felt that this business of moving Jane's car was the most important. That's the most unique signature. Like I, I've, I've worked a lot of robberies and, you know, been around a lot of people working a lot of robberies. And that's something that I never really heard as part of an MO before. Like it's, it's kind of smart on some level back then it wouldn't be smart now. Cause you're putting your body physically into a car. That's going to be recovered by police. So you're going to leave DNA and trace evidence. But back then that wasn't, you know, a, a thing. So it was kind of a smart move for the time. More than circumstantial evidence linked this robbery crew to the Speedway Burger Chef murders. Some eyewitnesses are said to have placed them there. George's girlfriend, the teenage girl who saw the suspects behind the restaurant, whose description helped form the basis for the widely distributed sketches, was reportedly shown a mug book with pictures of a variety of offenders. S.W. Wilkins's picture was in that book, and she allegedly identified him as the bearded man. Ken York of the Indiana State Police claimed to have tracked down two witnesses who were customers at the Burger Chef shortly before closing time on the night of the murders. One of them was from Ohio, the other from Tennessee. York said he showed them a mug book that contained pictures of 78 different suspects in the case. According to York, each of the witnesses identified the same two pictures, and they were images of Wilkins and another member of the robbery crew. York went around telling reporters and fellow cops that an IUPUI math professor had said that the odds of two unrelated people randomly selecting the same two faces out of a group of 78 were 8 million to 1 against. We'll note that eyewitnesses can be pretty unreliable, And of course, police don't make arrests based on statistical analysis. Still, the multiple identifications seemed compelling. And there's more. Amigo, as I referred to him, his own attorney showed up at the Marion County Sheriff's Department in tears because he knew he maybe was putting his livelihood on the line and told them, hey, I can't tell you anything more than what I'm about to because of client attorney privilege. But if you're looking into the Burger Chef murders, my client, Amigo, told me that he cased that very same restaurant for three nights prior to that armed robbery and the disappearance of those children. They end up murdered. And I can tell you that there were seven people there total that night and that the person I call 
dog catcher who's now deceased, so you can use his name if you want. His name is S.W. Wilkins. McComas went on to discuss what else Amigo's attorney had to say. But that guy did it. He was one of the people. Can't tell you my client did it because that would be wrong. I can only tell you that he did case it for three nights prior to that happening. And by the way, dog catcher lives next door. They have adjoining walls. They live next door to each other in a double in Franklin, Indiana at this time. So that was more than enough for me. It is, to say the least, highly unusual for an attorney to go to the police to make incriminating statements such as that about one of their clients. That screams of just uh, your conscience battling with you. Like he, he probably couldn't sleep anymore until he got this to law enforcement. Like I, I can't sleep at night with this information. I, you know, that was just a matter of his conscience getting the better of him. And hey, if it cost me my career, then it cost me my career. A former prisoner who shared a cell with Amigo also reported that his ex-cellmate admitted that he and S.W. Wilkins had done Burger Chef and that Wilkins still had the gun. Prison informants are of admittedly limited investigative value, but it is interesting that this informant knew enough to offer Wilkins's name. And there is still more. Wilkins, his son, came forward to police. And wasn't jammed up as far as as far as I remember, but I remember seeing the the transcript of the interview, and he just flat out said, "Hey, you know my my dad was at, at a party, was at his neighbor's house. He lives on the other side of the double, and I was in the, another room with my girlfriend, and I heard them talking about having committed a robbery in Speedway, and they mentioned Burger Chef by name, and that things went bad." And some people got killed. And now for Stoney, you know, to all this now when he gets the case, like a lot of these people had died. And that was one. The, the son died at an early age. And uh, so I think legally that was an issue with trying to use that statement. There seemed to be a great deal of circumstantial evidence suggesting this crew could have been responsible for the Burger Chef murders. But one crucial question remained. What could have happened that could have turned the Speedway Burger Chef robbery so deadly? Let's take a quick break from the Murder Sheet Presents, You Never Can Forget, to tell you about a podcast investigating yet another unforgettable crime. The Orange Tree is a seven-part series about a 2005 homicide that happened near the University of Texas at Austin. The murder of 21-year-old Jennifer Cave, who was shot dismembered, and left in a bathtub at her friend Colton Petoniak's apartment continues to haunt the area to this day. Like the Burger Chef murders, this case features plenty of twists and turns, including Colton's flight to Mexico with another UT student, Laura Hall. Both were later convicted in connection with the crime, although Colton has continued to appeal his verdict and claim innocence. The business student-turned-convicted murderer now says that he doesn't even remember much about the night Jennifer died. The Orange Tree is reported on and produced by Haley Butler and Tanu Thomas, who were both seniors at the University of Texas when they started this project. 
Together, Haley and Tanu strive to piece together this tragic story in an in-depth podcast that features audio from courtroom scenes and interrogation rooms, prison phone calls, and exclusive interviews with both the perpetrators and the victim's family. You can binge all seven episodes of The Orange Tree today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And now, back to the murder sheet. To read it in comparison is one thing, but then to watch on video, Stony ask inside man, you know, well, in your experience, I mean, you robbed a lot of burger chefs right around that time frame, conveniently. In your knowledge, with the, all the knowledge you have and your expertise, you know, why would this crime turn to murder? And to, to watch him, I, I'll never forget this to this day. I'm, I'm seeing it in my head right now, like I'm watching it on video. And for him to turn to Tony or to Stoney and say, probably because somebody got recognized. I was like, whoa, that's something. And I remember talking to Stoney as, as we watched that. And this was a new, a new revelation. Like it, 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 it possibly is giving the whole reason why this resulted in four murders. Was there a member of the robbery crew who could plausibly have been recognized by one of the Burger Chef workers? That the person we called Dog Catcher in my podcast. Again, that would be S.W. Wilkins. Worked at a place that was very close to a Burger Chef restaurant that Jane worked at prior to coming to the Speedway location. And he worked the, the, the night shift. And this was one of the very few places open late at night or real early in the morning to grab, grab, grab food, to grab some coffee. So I thought that was, that was kind of a cool piece of information. You know, is it, is it uh, conclusive? No, we do know that Burger Chef never got robbed conveniently. Let's say a lot of them are getting robbed and this one didn't. And it was right. Maybe one that probably, Dog catcher frequented often. There was another potential connection between Wilkins and Jane. Her father worked at Conrail. So did Wilkins. McComas feels all this adds up to an inescapable conclusion. Crime makes sense, you know? Like, sometimes you you have to get the information, you know, as you go along to, to help something already occurred make sense. But it always makes sense in the end. You know, it's very seldom of... If ever, I think there's a UFO come down and then aliens kill someone under circumstances and by a manner that we can't possibly comprehend. You know, it's humans killing humans. So it all makes sense eventually. And things add up to and two plus two always equals four. So when you when you see all these things and, and, you know, obviously there's more, but to me, it's undeniable. We've told you about a lot of tantalizing circumstantial leads regarding the robbery gang theory. Having looked through this, we understand McComas's assertion that every other theory in the Burger Chef case is a waste of time. We don't necessarily agree, but we definitely get why he thinks that. There's a lot here, and it's incredibly frustrating to think that the perpetrator of this crime might still be skulking around, getting away with it, year after year after year. If this is what happened, 
or even if a few elements of the theory are on the right track, then the Burgershev crew was essentially beset upon by a group of vicious strangers. Four kids may have been killed just for doing their jobs. It's a heinous crime no matter what happened that night in 1978. But with all the rumors swirling around about drugs being run through the restaurant and some of the victims may be owing debts to dangerous characters, we think that this may be the most gutting theory out there, that a bid to snag a few hundred dollars resulted in that carnage in the woods of Johnson County. Next on the murder sheet, a homeowner makes a startling discovery the day after the Burger Chef employees disappeared. This gentleman mowed his grass later or that same day. And uh, when he was mowing the grass, found a handgun less than 500 feet from the back door of the burger shop. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Murder Sheet Presents, You Never Can Forget. Special thanks to Kevin Tyler Greenley, who composed the music for The Murder Sheet, and who you can find on the web at kevintg.com. To keep up with the latest on The Murder Sheet, please make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Murder Sheet, and on Facebook at mSheetPodcast.com or by searching Murder Sheet. For exclusive content like bonus episodes and case files, become a patron of the Murder Sheet on Patreon at patreon.com slash murder sheet. If you enjoyed listening to the Murder Sheet, please leave us a five-star review to help us gain more exposure. And send tips, suggestions, and feedback to murdersheet at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Before you go, please stick around to hear from our friend Nina from the Already Gone podcast, a great show you should definitely be checking out. I first learned about the Burger Chef murders from her 2016 episode on the case. Murder, missing persons, unsolved mysteries. Already Gone explores lesser-known cases from Michigan and the Great Lakes region. I'm Nina Instead, the voice behind the Already Gone podcast. Join me for an in-depth look at stories that will have you looking over your shoulder and locking the doors at night. Find Already Gone on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcatcher. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.